Survivor chronicles the lives of 20 strangers, stranded together in the middle of nowhere, forced to build and destroy their own new world. Over the course of several weeks, these island-dwelling men and women are locked in a physically and mentally exhausting battle to outwit, outplay, and outlast each other, voting each other out every three days at the terrible temple known as Tribal Council. After 39 days, one of these castaways will walk away as the sole survivor, in possession of the million-dollar prize that goes along with the coveted title. After only three days, one survivor will walk away from years of dreaming about this journey. Months and months of surviving a grueling casting process, weeks and weeks of preparation for the game, days and days on lockdown, and the guarantee of more than a month away from everything and everyone they know and love, no matter how early they lose their life in the game, all for only three days of actual playtime. This season, someone else will become a first one out of sorts. The first one out to Ghost Island, the graveyard of bad survivor decisions, birthed from the ruins of nearly 20 years of broken dreams. This castaway's name will forever be etched in Survivor history as Ghost Island's first guest. But in truth, another person was swinging from the monkey bars of this spooky playground before anyone else. This podcast series is the story of finding the season's first sacrifice to the fearsome Survivor gods. It is also the story of an idiot and a moron. This is First One Out. And I... Ghost Zero. Survivor, Season 36, Day 2. The bees are busy at Naviti Beach. Furniture maker Wendell Holland and construction worker Dominic Abati are doing what they do best, working together in tandem to build shelter for the tribe. Wendell stands tall, threading palm fronds together, fortifying the roof. Dominic stands nearby, cheerfully trading words with his fellow castaways, like he's the concierge at a world-class hotel, and everyone's his favorite guest. Hotel Navini is in full effect. Now we need more. We have to go to... From Franz. From Island. We need more pom poms for, for the hotel. We gotta make the hotel five star. It's not quite there yet. A four star shelter on day two remains an impressive feat, and soon the other members of the tribe begin to gather round like moths to the flame. Well, most of the other members of the tribe. There is one notable absence: male model Chris Noble off on a mission of his own. Chris is gonna make this lobster thing happen. Talk about this a long time now. I don't know, man. I will, I will say that with a straight face. Chris is going to make this lobster thing happen, if you couldn't quite make out the words. The noble one has promised to deliver a feast of crustaceans, befitting the fine standards of the world-renowned Hotel Naviti. It's an unfulfilled promise, at least when Chris returns to camp a few moments later. He stands beside his tribe mates, surveys the shelter's progress, and notes a need for more bamboo for the bed. Where's the bamboo? That's a good question. Can you use the sugar over there? Are those Yeah, we don't have a lot of bamboo over here. He's joking, of course. This island is all bamboo. And Chris is about to go to work. He grabs the machete, 
and strides through the sand toward the tribe's supply, selecting one shaft to split in half. Blade in hand, Chris openly fantasizes about splitting the bamboo in twain with a single swing. Another ambition unfulfilled. Instead, it takes him two swings to completely sever the bamboo in half, which is an admittedly impressive sight. Two days earlier, I'm on Ghost Island, in the midst of a bamboo dilemma and some knife work of my own. It's dark work out here in the spooky playground, draining enough to work up an appetite. Alright, I can't get fire yet, but I can chop a coconut, hopefully. Always wanted to do that. It is enormously satisfying to hack into a coconut with a machete. They don't tell you that in grade school. Or on the internet. It's a decent amount of coconut in here. See, now this feels like a win. Cool. Mm-mm. <laughs> nope. No. This is the food source for most of the survivor players. Like, this is what they eat. Is it possible I just have, like, a bad coconut? Or do they just, like, taste all taste like shit? <laughs> I don't know. This one doesn't taste particularly good, and it's also, like, dehydrating me. I might just not be a coconut guy. I like pina coladas, but emphasis on like, not love. Almond Joys, they're alright. Oh my god. Yeah. I guess if you're starving, it's edible. If he ends up being first out, I won't be surprised. Like, he just looks like, you know, the douchebag jock, so. When I'm eating pasta and you're eating almonds, like, there's something wrong. So far, I've liked everybody, which is a problem. Well, they're all going to be your best friends after yeah, this, yeah, so this yeah, exactly, is good, you know? Exactly. <laughs> this guy is a robot. He is super jacked. His IQ is so high, it's a squiggle. And then here comes the helicopter, and there's, like, Jeff Probst, like, walking out. Hot. He's probably the one I'm most attracted to. Yeah? For The Hollywood Reporter, in collaboration with Rob Has a Podcast, I'm Josh Whitman. This is First One Out, Ghost Zero. Chapter 3, Noble Causes The Naviti tribe's Chris Noble, a singular specimen of a human being, has a last name that applies well to the three other castaways we'll meet in greater detail in this chapter. Loyal, honor, integrity. The words emblazoned upon Lord Benjamin of House Wade's sigil, yes, but also words that characterize the real-world pursuits of the Naviti tribe's Kellen Bechtold and the Malolo tribe's Brendan Shapiro and James Lim. In terms of their intentions heading into the game, perhaps not so noble. We begin with James, 24 years old, a New York business analyst by way of Los Angeles. James went to Harvard, where he ran track and fantasized about one day applying his body, mind, and soul to the CBS reality universe, if not quite Survivor. There's a determination in James's eyes, something almost mechanical in his rhythms and movements, a quality that has not gone unnoticed by his fellow Ghost Islanders. Um, I think that he is going to be a big threat in this game, actually. He seems like he's 
got good physical like stamina. He seems really um, like he's going to be a threat in those challenges. But he also seems to be, to me, a very, he's going to be a good strategic player. He seems very smart, very well put together. Um, he seems to know when to act and when to hang back. He's very proper and he's very perfect. I feel like he already has a strategy. He already has a plan. And if you're going in a survivor with a plan, you're going in all wrong. Because the twists and plots and schemes that they have in this show, it'll knock you off your feet. I think he's like a CEO of like some company. When he sits down, he's so meticulous, like how he moves and perfect posture. And every morning he like has his breakfast the exact same way. This guy is a robot. He is super jacked and he walks super erect. He sits super erect. He's always stone cold with the facial expressions. Hot. He's probably the mo one I'm most attracted to. Yeah? Just because he's so exotic. <laughs> this is a man of honor and lives by the code, okay? His parents definitely were born on some far distant land and brought him over to America, and this guy lives by the code. I will exploit that. <laughs> I will take him and I will ruin him. Good luck ruining James Lim the latest in the long line of players to be classified by the powers that be as one of the smartest people to ever play the game. The founder of the Squiggle Room, in fact. To hear probes tell it, the war between James's heart and his mind is already well underway. Uh, James is yet, at the risk of sounding redundant, another guy that is working on something while he's out here. And a lot of it came from our casting. He came in and Harvard track captain. I mean, guy can his his IQ is so high it's a squiggle. It, it's off the charts. 150 with a squiggle next to it. That's insane. That's crazy. But the one thing he didn't seem to have was emotion. And so I was just playfully saying, "You seem more like a machine than a human. You seem really close to a human, but more like a machine." It's like Westworld. Yes. <laughs> and he went upstairs after we were done and with casting went up to his room and immediately started watching Tony Robbins and trying to figure out what I was getting at I was just playing around but to his credit he took it to heart and came down and said I know what you're talking about I'm going to work on it by the time I'm on Survivor I will have mastered the social part of the game tall order but the guy has a squiggle next to his IQ I'm just saying who the hell are you? Huh? Who are you? Who are you, and, and what are you all about? Tell me everything. Oh, it's like uh, on the mic. Yeah. Okay. Um, so I'm James. I'm 24, and I'm a management consultant based in New York City. Okay. And what is that all about, management consulting? Uh, so it's like basically a job that entails us forming project teams to work with client companies and help them formulate better strategy and optimize their operations, stuff like that. Okay. Cool. How'd you get into that? Um, I mean, it wasn't really like a like a chosen field or anything like that, but I did find it, um, you know, like intellectually engaging and I majored in economics in college. And so it seemed like a good fit and, uh, I'm learning a lot on my job and I'm enjoying it. You're, you went to Harvard, right? Yes. I got that from your bio. Yeah. How was Harvard? Uh, it was great. Uh, learned a lot, changed a lot in a good way. I definitely really enjoyed my four years up in Cambridge and, uh, it gave me a lot of good memories. What are you thinking yeah. about New York? I'm a New Yorker myself. Awesome. Uh, I think it's a great city. I mean, um, so I grew up in, what, L.A., and then uh, Seoul, and then Boston. And so I'm a big city kind of person, and so, like, there's no city in the world like New York City, you know, the bright lights 
the undying energy. Um, I live like right in the thick of it, and so it's kind of like nice to soak up the urban energy every day. Um, I wouldn't want to live anywhere else right now. Other than Fiji. Yeah, exactly, for six weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but that's it, six, six and out, yep. no more, no less. Yep. So tell me about your history with Survivor. Are you a fan of the show? Uh, mm, well, I became a fan uh, recently, but um, originally I actually have been a fan of uh, The Amazing Race for about, uh, all throughout college, actually. And I finally found the, uh, the guts to apply my senior year with a good friend, uh, also on Harvard Track, with me. And we got we got cut during the process, but uh, we got far enough so that they uh, put us on the database for other shows. And I got a uh, an email around Thanksgiving last year saying, you know, have you heard of the show Survivor? And I was like, who hasn't? And they're like, you want to be on it? And I was like, hell yes, sign me up. So that's how it all started. You know, like went through the entire process and uh, started watching some seasons. Uh, thanks to recommendation, and uh, I've seen about I would say about ten seasons. In ten total. seasons since Thanksgiving, twenty sixteen. Yeah, yeah, I like really just went all in for Survivor, and um, I think some of my favorites were definitely um, Heroes versus Villains, Micronesia. Those two really stand out. Those awesome. Um, for the old school seasons, I like Cook Islands in China. New school. I did enjoy uh, Millennials versus Gen X, not just because it was like going live when I first. Uh, started applying right. but also you know like as a millennial myself I could actually relate to those people pretty well and I liked following their stories uh, evolve um, and we'll see how 36 goes so what are your takeaways from that experience as you started to you know learn Survivor and dive into what Survivor is what is Survivor in your mind as you're about to play it um, so it's a show and experience like no other on TV. It pushes people to their extreme limits, to places that they've never that they've never been to before. Their highest highs, their lowest lows, they all experience that, and it's a combination of a lot of things. But also, you know, so being out in the elements, having to actually survive for once. You know, like I personally don't know. I didn't know. Well, hopefully, I do know how to live out in the open, how to open a coconut, how to fish. That kind of stuff puts you in this physical stress, and you combine that with the mental, emotional stress of constant gameplay and paranoia, you have to somehow build bonds and trust and be ready at the slightest hint of backstabbing to turn around and be the first one to actually backstab the other person. I think the combined elements of Survivor in that sense, I think, you know, like push people to become who they truly are inside. You know, you, I don't think anyone can really fake their persona just because you're fighting so many different things and for me personally you know like I just viewed it as this kind of truly a life-changing adventure and experience that I would never ever get to do anywhere else in life so when the opportunity presented itself I was more than happy to uh, sign up and hopefully this is the back door to the amazing race We'll, we'll get you out. We'll get you there through Survivor. <laughs> I, it's happened before, so I, hey, Phil, Phil Keegan, if you're listening, I'm still up. I'm still up. Fair enough. Fair yeah. enough. Um, so, give me your ideal first day of Survivor. The game begins. You get your feet on the ground. You're with your tribe. How does that day go? Interesting. Um, so yeah, so my first day, my ideal first day would be. I want to think if I want to start if I wanted to start on the boat or on the beach. But I'm either way, like, so Jeff goes, you know, like, 39 days, 20 people, one survivor. And, like, everyone just goes crazy. Uh, we get a lot of good supplies, get on a raft, 
paddle classic survival way to our beach. Hopefully everyone, you know, like most people on the tribe will be like hardworking, like friendly, definitely at first. Um, we get some good progress going on the shelter, you know, like hopefully uh, someone will build a fire. I kind of like watch some videos on YouTube on how to do that and let's see if that works out. But um, you know, just overall, I think it's a long day, but some camp life progress for sure some meeting people and given how the new school seasons have gone the gameplay is probably going to start on day one and so by the end of day one i kind of want to go to sleep on the beach knowing that i have kind of a solid social footing there are some people that i'm vibing well with and i'm definitely not the annoying one or the lazy one or the weak one i think that would be a good start what are you thinking in terms of idols and advantages, which certainly in this season we just saw were very prolific. There were a lot of them. Yeah. Uh, are you keeping your eyes open? Do you find them to be a crucial part of the game? Um, so the reality is, like, I am not the biggest fan of having too many in play at once. I'm just because we have seen how uh, it can kind of, like, backfire. But also because um, I think it's an element of gameplay that, you know, is not true to the core of survival which is the social part and the surviving part you know like idols yes i think idols introducing idols i think in guatemala or something was a great change for survivor but good pull for having started yeah in i know i know 16 um once i study something i study it there hard. you go but um i think you know these like hidden advantages of vote steals and jury vote offs and all that i don't know how i feel about those uh the reality is they will probably be a part of my season as well so i definitely need to once you know like when i'm trying to construct a strategy always always think to myself like what if this advantage is in uh in play what if our target just pulls out this crazy advantage you know that just does some crazy stuff um so it definitely complicates things a little bit um i myself you know like like the way like Sarah found that advantage, that was great. Like that is attention to detail. That is her being true to her uh, cop you know, training. Um, you know, like I don't think I'll be the most aggressive idol whisperer like Ty or Kelly Wentworth were. I mean, I've definitely definitely love their uh, gameplay, but you know, I think I won't be too hung up over finding idols. You know, if I do find one in my spare time, awesome. But um. I do want to stick to the uh, pure version of Survivor, at least in the early stage. Cool. What's the best piece of advice you received before you came out here from anybody? Uh, oh, that's a good question. Um, so I just spoke with um, Andrea, and uh, I think her big piece of advice, which was like evident through her three seasons and her growth as a player, was that when you build these bonds and relationships, you have to realize that you can't trust anyone 100%. You always have to think about, look, like these allies of mine, they might, in secret, be trying to backstab me and vote me off the island. And so, in real life, I'm the kind of guy who, you know, once I'm good friends with someone, it's like really strong. Like, we like get drinks together, talk about whatever's going on in our lives, we like stay in regular touch, and I really tr like cherish those bonds that I have, like out there in, in the real world. Here, the bonds are ne not necessarily that deep, at least right now, and it's rather more transactional. Like, I'll help, I'll help you get to like the final, let's say, the merge. You help me get to the merge, and we'll work from there, right? I think that will work better. So, when I, you know, like gain friends and allies, I kind of have to check myself and 
tell myself, look, James, like, when push comes to shove, you have to be ready to strike them before they strike you. I'll always be on, on my guard, which is going to be really taxing, but that's a part of Survivor. Yeah. Um, in terms of, of the game, you know, there are people who walk into Survivor with uh, no moral boundaries. No, nothing is off limits. It's just a game. Everything is a game. There are people who come and play... And they have a very, you know, strict set of boundaries of like, you know, loyal honor, integrity. You know, I'm going to play within this very strict code. What's your view of that? Do you think that there are lines in Survivor or is it all just a game? Well, I think, I mean, for me personally, there are lines. But what is more important is that, yes, as you pointed out, some, to some people, there are no lines. And that's more important to me because I need to play a game where my uh, potential enemy is someone like Russell or Tony just with no boundaries whatsoever. In that case, it kind of becomes more challenging for me to pull off my place, right? So I need to really be aware of that potential, obviously. Uh, for me personally, um, am I ready to lie and backstab and blindside? Yes. Am I going to... But like, I hope to do it in a way such that it conveys like true like respect for the strategy and their game and not be like... I blindsided you, so you suck. I'm better than you. Kind of like I don't. I don't want to be that kind of like. I don't want to give off this vitriol. Like this is like, I want to. No matter who I blindside out here, I want to end the season, the 39 days here, having made 19 lifelong friends. Like that's truly a hope that I really, really, genuinely have. And it might require you know becoming friends, then backstabbing. But at the end of the day, I want to be straight up about look like. We're in this together. Like I respect you. I'm not going to be an asshole to anyone. This is just part of the game, and that's the way it is. So, if you're pissed off, I'm sorry. Yeah. We can talk about it later. How is Ponderosa going right now? Um, I think it's going well. I mean, the no talking thing is crazy, but we're all used to it by now. Um, it's I call it the the game of furtive glances and nods. Uh, and I think there's a healthy amount of that going on. So I'm partaking in it, obviously. Um, so you know, by now, I. I do know who like which faces these people have and kind of some kind of vibes I'm getting initially obviously um, but it seems like a generally like overall a pretty young crowd pretty fit crowd which should make for a, a high level game physically for sure off the bat which is kind of interesting for me I kind of want to definitely be able to be an asset with my speed and power background so hopefully that's the case but definitely uh, it's not going to be a cakewalk no one ever said that on Survivor. I begin showing James photos of his fellow castaways, an exercise that all of the players in my jungle office have to endure across these interviews. And it's immediately clear that James really does have his heart open to these 19 prospective new best friends. Here's his take on Chelsea Townsend. I call her Kristen Stewart. Um, so we've, yeah, we've kind of glanced at each other a couple of times. Um, pretty good vibes, I think. Yeah, so if she's on my tribe, I think my beginning alliance, I'd like to include her, I think, in that. Yeah. Here's his take on Donathan Hurley. Ah, uh, yeah, so he's nice, I think. Um, he smiles a lot at people. Uh, so I think, so we were at the final round together as well, so even back then, we were kind of like, you know, like nodding at each other and all that, so definitely, I think he's a good kid. And here's his take on Kellen Bechtold. Jessica Chastain. <laughs> so yeah, I keep giving people people nicknames. So we were also in the same final round, I remember. And even back then, I was like, she's Jessica Chastain just because they look alike. Um, so yeah, I mean, 
I like her. Uh, I'm also, I mean, so far I've liked everybody, which is a problem. But, well, they're um, all going to be your best friends after yeah, this. So yeah, this yeah, is exactly. Good, you know? Exactly. <laughs> In fairness, most of the Ghost Islanders want to become Kellen Bechtold's new best friend. There's something undeniably warm about the 31-year-old Midwesterner, as observed by the vast majority of the season 36 cast. I like her. I feel like she has a very welcoming, friendly vibe. I think we'd work well together and get along well, so I'm hoping that we can work together. Sweet girl. See, I don't know, maybe a teacher or something wholesome. She seems very wholesome to me. Um, workable. She seems like such a sweetie. Like, I don't, I feel like she's the type of girl who comes in here with her code and ethics and probably won't cross too many boundaries, but I feel like that's somebody that people will want on your tribe because it's good energy to have around. Oh. If she's not a mom and a wife now, um, she definitely portrays the sweetness. I'm going to bake you cookies. I'm going to take care of you. Very genuine, soft um, person. I think her values are very in tune, and I don't think that she will step out far from them. For any of the new castaways who have been drawn into Kellen's bright aura and believe she's the motherly type who won't step outside of her boundaries, as a wise man once said, Psych! Bazinga! You got pastored! At least at the start of the preseason, superfan Kellen is entering Survivor wholly committed to playing the game to its fullest extent, which means weaponizing her empathetic nature on her quest to win the million-dollar prize. For his part, Probst is so enamored with Kellen that she was almost his pick to win it all. I love Kellen. Kellen would be my second pick to win. Or if I could pick a man and a woman, I'd pick Wendell and Kellen. What I like about Kellen is, yes, I like that she's empathetic. I love that she's so curious. And I think the part of me that's most attracted to her energy is that she's not ashamed to say, I like to dance with the universe. I like to play. Because some people get up tight and they go, I don't, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about. I'm, I'm an accountant and this is what I do and I have two children. She says, yeah, I can be all that. But I also like looking at the stars and wondering, what would it be like to live on one? I like that kind of spirit, playfulness. In terms of her views on Probst, Kellen certainly has room in her heart for the host with the most, as well as another prominent member of the crew. What happened to your eyes when you saw Jeff Probst? Oh my god, well first of all, he came in on a helicopter. <laughs> so dramatic, that guy. It was like so dramatic. We've all been like sitting around at Ponderosa for like... I don't know. I don't know how many days at this point. Like, they try to, I think they try to disorient you. I think, like, you don't know what day it is and stuff already. Um, I mean, I kind of do, but, um, it, and it's like we've been doing this thing of just staring at each other. And then here comes the helicopter, and there's, like, Jeff Probst, like, walking out, and two people, like, leave Ponderosa with pizza boxes, which turned out the pizzas weren't even for him, but I thought they were. Oh, he was just there for a pickup. <laughs> it was so funny and Jeff it was like at this point it was like seeing an old friend because of talking to him in casting and then um you know there he was and he's like a friendly face you know so it was exciting to see him like a little bit of familiarity yeah in a weird way right like the first time you meet him you're like oh my god that's Jeff Probst and it's a little bit of a starstruck thing although I'll tell you who I was most starstruck about who is that Dr. Joe yeah like, you love him, too, a little bit? I mean, yeah. Uh, look, I've been doing these for a little while now. You know, I've gotten to talk to a lot of survivors. I've talked to Sari. You know, I've talked to Kim Spradlin. Uh, the last time I was out here, I walked past Dr. Joe. I couldn't, I couldn't say a word. <laughs> I've, yet to, I've yet to say a word to Dr. Joe. I'm too intimidated. He's, he's a specimen. He's incredible. And the first things he said to me, 
him. He was like, incredible. So I see that you're allergic to cats. <laughs> oh no, you're allergic to cats? Ah, <laughs> oh, bummer. This is going so well. And I was like, Yes, Doctor Joe. <laughs> You know what? I hate to... I'm not supposed to tell you anything about the theme, but this is Survivor Cat Island, so this is going to be difficult. Dogs versus trouble cats versus trouble. bears. Okay, so Kellen isn't a cat person. Look, nobody's perfect. With that said, here's more from Kellen on her status as a Survivor fan, how she plans to fight her way to the end, and the adversity she faced in the year leading up to the game. Hi, I'm Josh. I'm nice Kellen. to meet you. Nice to meet oh you, Kellen. Oh my gosh, I'm in the... It's a wiggle room. This is a, it's more like the wiggle jungle. It's like, it's room, it's room-esque. It's, it's room-like. Um, so just to, to kick things off, uh, the mic is hot. So if we touch the table, it's going to pick it up. So okay. let's just, let's try and say hands off the table. Does sure. this look like it's about to fall over on you? Do you feel safe? I feel safe. If you feel, I feel perfectly safe. <laughs> if, you feel safe. if this slight... Plastic table is fearing me. Then I'm you're in, in trouble. trouble. You're absolutely <laughs> trouble. I was going to say the same exact thing. Um, all right. So, so who are you? Hi, my name is Kellen Bechtold, or just Kellen should work. Uh, I'm 30 years old. I'm, I grew up on a chicken farm in Indiana, but I live in Chicago now, and I'm here to play Survivor 36. Why are you here to play Survivor 36? Other than to win. Other than to win, obviously. <laughs> Other than to win, I've been on quite the journey for the last year and a half or so of my life. And I got married and then divorced and uh, kind of had to pick myself up on my own two feet and finished graduate school and got two master's degrees and got a great job. But it was definitely not an easy... That's a year. year. It was a year. It was a big year. And now I'm here to play Survivor, see what I can do. Um, I like to say that empathy is my superpower and I can't wait to see what that can do um, to use it in ways to build genuine relationships but also to exploit them as well. That's the game, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a year like that. Does that almost make Survivor a cakewalk if you can survive the year <laughs> you just endured? Um, so I think it works different muscles, right? Um, the emotional side and and the mental toughness I feel may be prepared although I have no idea what it's going to be like I mean I would be lying to say I knew what it was like to be stranded on an island with 19 strangers uh, with no food and all of that um, but yeah I, I think another advantage I have is that I don't look like I've been through it you know and I have and uh, I did it all on my own and I think that that will have prepared me to get through the mental side of the game now, how I'm going to handle not eating and the physical challenges and doing all that stuff. I mean, you all can't see me on the podcast, but if you could, you could see that I'm probably the least muscular of the crew. Okay. Maybe there's one other person. Listen, who's you're only the sixth with. person I've <laughs> talked to, so I can't weigh in yet. Um, so uh, I thought you were going to say the sixth person to say that. I was no. like, well, people have a <laughs> rocked sense of self. Then, um, no, I'm not the I'm not the strongest person here um, physically. For sure. So um, that will be interesting to see how I can fare in challenges and um, not the most grace. Grace is not my middle name. So I've got to kind of get through that hump of um, seeing what I can do in the challenges to try and at least hang with the middle of the pack. Yeah. Um, but I, I, has the last year been a huge challenge? Yes. Has it prepared me for this? Who knows? We're about to find out. So if Grace is not your middle name, what is your middle name? <laughs> my my real middle name? I guess. Yeah, I don't know why I asked. <laughs> it's a stupid question. No, it's not a stupid question. <laughs> my real middle name is Sue. 
uh, which is my grandmother's middle name, my mom and all of her sister's middle names, and all of my female cousin's middle names. You're all the Sues. We're all the Sues, so aren't you glad you asked? So you're out here for the Sues, Survivor. <laughs> I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah, Survivor. <laughs> so what is your status as a Survivor fan? Like, what's your history with Survivor? Yeah, so I am a recent fan of Survivor. So I started watching like five or six years ago. Um, I watched the first season back with my family. I'm 30 now, so I would have been, what is that? Oh gosh, how old would I have been? Which you season was it? I started season? watching season one with my family yeah. back then, but then I haven't, then I took a huge break and then just started watching like five or six like years ago. Like 15 or so, like almost like. 1315. Yeah, so um, I'm, a, I'm a new fan to The Survivor, except now I've went back and watched all the episodes. I'm a huge fan of Rob Has a Podcast, cool. and that is really, you know, my brother loves Survivor. My dad doesn't have many hobbies, and watching Survivor is one of them, and it's sort of a family thing we do together. Even though we don't live together in the same city, we all text about Survivor, and my brother and I listen to the podcast, and I hope to God I can get him out here for the loved one's visit. Um, He's the guy. That's who you, who yeah, you want out here. that's yep. who I would love to be able my brother clay we actually want to start we joke about starting our own podcast called two peas two pods because we're like so complete opposites like no one can believe we came from the same parents and we think opposite on everything except survivor and conor mcgregor okay. <laughs> this is the only things we agree on but anyway sorry that's a long a well long you're one step run. closer to a survivor podcast by being on survivor and i know that that's like the ultimate ambition <laughs> so playing first and then podcasting second like you're very close to your dream I well I was so excited because I guess I probably shouldn't be talking this is with a different outlet but um that's okay we're all friends here. okay so I was so excited because one of my questions got uh, like on second chance I, I called in and said something about like isn't everyone uh, underestimating Kelly Wentworth sneaky sneaky and I was like so that was a huge moment for our family <laughs> <laughs> to like make it there and we think back to that day and we we're like if only we knew yeah. <laughs> where it would actually go so I'm a, a huge fan of Survivor the show and I love watching it I love following the community and I'm just so grateful to have made it this far and if I hadn't gone through that last crazy year I sure as hell wouldn't be sitting here so I'm, I'm really thankful did that, for that push you to apply so I actually, I this was my second time applying. I had applied the year before, um, kind of before, right before all of the things started to go crazy. And um, then I applied a year later. And because my life was so different, I wonder if that's what yeah, triggered maybe. the interest. I don't think that I would have, you know, I didn't get a call back the first time I applied. So um, it's, life is about you know experiencing it while you're living it and that's what's the most beautiful part and why i love survivor is that it just takes everyone down to the bare bones and you just have to experience everything and live in everything so presently and um you know you find yourself in the present you can find god in the present and i think being in the present moment survivor just does that it forces people to be in the present moment i think it's a super cool thing so i'm really excited who uh who's your favorite survivor player slash who do you want to emulate yeah so i i have three different kind of answers to that my favorite survivor person is keith nail oh god you're just pandering at a this point hundred, wait what are you, are <laughs> I'm you a, serious I'm, a, I'm the founder of the nail mails oh no <laughs> i'm not i'm not CEO. so okay no no i'm not pandering really truly he had my heart um I, I love Keith, like my person, if I could like watch a, a person, he would be my person choice. Uh, my favorite person to watch play the game, um, 
was Spencer. I just loved that he was so smart and so knew the game and so analytical and just, you know, really actually quite vulnerable. And I felt like that's probably not how he is in real life. And so it was cool to watch him go through that. And then who I hope to God would like to emulate is Tyson. Okay. Sir Tyson. Why Tyson? Um, I think that he's a genius. I, in the way that he plays the game, he's so, he's so confident in what he did while he was out there and how he played, um, and the way he talks about the game and, and I just admire the way he played a lot. And, you know, he plays the, the human poker. He, he does it with the human poker part, which is sit back, wait for your moment to strike. Um, and I just admire his ability to read people and to really see the path to the end of the game. Yeah. I think I'm most like Aubrey. Okay. Um, How come? I, I think, you know, I've had like anxiety in the past and I could so relate to her in that moment on her first season and she has like guava seeds like falling down her chin and like, and then she comes in back. In her defense, and, like, I believe it was mango. Oh, mango seeds. But it was not a great look as she will readily admit. <laughs> yeah, not to bring it up. Sorry, Aubrey. Um, but I, I admire her a lot and I think, you know, I'm somebody who, I, I you know, have gone through, have a couple master's degrees, worked hard. If it was a Brains Bruns BD tribe, I'd be on the Brains tribe, I think. And um, I I think I will play like her in, in some ways as well. So there, oh. sorry, that's a long... No, that's great. You wanted me to just say one. No, I love it. I, I love it. I also love Kelly Wentworth. But I'm a big fan, so I have a lot of, lot of love. So give me a sense of your first day in this game. If it goes according to plan, you get your feet on the beach, survivor's ready, go, the game has begun, you're with your tribe. How does that first day play for you if it plays perfectly? So if it plays perfectly, we have a beautiful shelter, we have fire built, and we're drinking nice purified Survivor Fiji water, um, and we're all sitting around and having a great time. And the role that I will have played in that is to be a, a bit of the light in life, and to be in a good mood, and to meet new people, and that people really feel comfortable with me as a friend. And I think the day one most successful thing I can do is hopefully find a way where we can get comfortable, start to feel like home, and be well-liked. And I'm not going to be the strongest person. I've said that. So I need to be the most liked person. And I think I can do that. So you want to connect with everybody. Yeah. That's your goal. To build relationships and to have genuine relationships. It's not lost on me that I have the opportunity that yeah, some of these people might be my enemies, but some of them are going to become dear friends. And I've been saying that each one of them is a little treasure box to open, and I can't wait to see what's in each of their each of their treasures that they all hold. That's cool. So in terms of uh, in terms of little treasures of Survivor, there's idols. You know, there's advantages now that are being hidden around. What are your thoughts on all of that? Is that something that you're going to view as crucial to your game? Just what's your philosophy on the idols and advantages and everything? So I think uh, to always be aware in, in watching Michaela, you know, go through that moment where she said it had to be a million dollar lesson to uh, not look down at her feet because she was so ticked off. Um, I think for me, I'll, I'll be so busy like feeling and enjoying and building relationships that it will be hard to, for me to always remember to keep my head in the game. 
Um, and definitely always my dad's advice. One of the things he said was like, beware, be aware of the details. And, uh, I would, it would be a shining moment for me if I was the one holding up an idol, I would be like, Oh my God, I'm the one who found an idol. I think I would surprise myself and, uh, that would be motivation enough to go look for them. So you say empathy is your superpower. Mm -hmm. um, this is a game where people come to Survivor with their own sets of what they're willing to do and what lines they're willing to cross. There are people who have no lines or their boundaries are so vast that it's like back in Los Angeles. Uh, there are people who come out here and they are playing in tight squares, you know, uh, like your Debbies of the world or your coaches, your loyalty, honor, integrity, all of that. Where do you fall in that? In other words, like, is Survivor just a game or are there lines in a game like this? So I, I think it is 99% a game. And the, the line that you don't cross, I think it's a gift that we all saw. What, not a gift, and, and I wish it wouldn't have happened, but you know, the Varner-Zeke moment of what will be two seasons ago, I guess, is, is the moment that proved for me there is a line I won't cross. And there is, there is, a point where people are human and that should come first and that doesn't count this game is a game of lying and cheating and manipulation and all those things are things I can't wait to do I don't do those things it's not normal for me to go around and lie it's not normal for me to go around and manipulate people's feelings people open up to me I don't take advantage of that but to be able to do that I have absolutely no problem and no qualms about coming across as a potential villain or or whatever to make it to win not only to win the million dollars but to prove to myself that I was better than everybody else out here at doing that so I don't know if that answers your question in the what what line will I not cross is to attack someone at a personal level I think it's okay to say that person is so annoying and I'd rather like eat my own foot than spend the next 39 days with them um, or that person's being annoying that person is being a jerk but to attack someone uh, personally uh, is especially you know to their face and to yell at someone I just don't think that that's something I'm okay with and I really hope that I'm not okay with other people doing that either and I'd like to think that I'll uh, stick up for someone if they're being mistreated what kind of a loser are you and I and I mean this in the sense of like you get blindsided at some point down the line. Let's hope that doesn't happen, but let's <laughs> yeah. say it does. Uh, and it's just like objectively, just like a genius play. Like it's just like really well executed. You're completely floored by it. Um, does game respect game or is that a hard pill to swallow? Can you imagine? I, oh, it's so funny because I bet everyone sits here and says, oh, it's just a game. I won't be, my feelings won't be hurt. Like, I'll know it was just the game, but I wonder how much it'll really just hurt my feelings. I think in the moment I'll be able to be like, what? Oh my gosh, like, good on you, congratulations. But I think when I walk away, my feelings might might be hurt for real, but, you know, after time I'd, I'd have to say that I would get over it. And if I happen to be on the jury, um, I will, I definitely will respect and honor gameplay.
he's if I could vote to give someone the million dollars, that's who I would give it to. How come? Other than myself. How come? Um, he just seems, well, I think he's got to be one of the oldest people here. I wonder, he's married. I wonder if he's left, he has the softness of someone who's had children. Um, and I just trust that my gut tells me that he's a really good guy. And I hope I'm on his tribe. I would love to work with him. The million dollar man, if Kellen could award the prize to someone other than herself, is the second oldest player in the game. Brendan Shapiro, 41 years old a physical education teacher from Virginia. Kellen might be the only castaway quietly rooting for Brendan to win, but she's certainly not the only one who has picked up on the fact that he's a loyal and true family man in his real life. I like him. He's married. He's, you know, I feel like he's probably one of the only truthful people out here. Um, my gut tells me that he's going to probably play a more honest game than the rest of them. Um, he probably has kids. He actually just looks like he looks, and I mean this in a very good way, he looks like a, a Mormon from Utah. Like, he just fits that mold, and he's, you know, he's obviously married, and he just seems like a good, genuine guy. And I think he's a, a really killer athlete, too. I feel like he does triathlons. Something about him, the way he looks, I, I feel like he is an athlete. He's older, he's married, he has a ring on at least. Um, so I feel like he's a good athlete. He's on to keep an eye out okay. for uh, super athletic. I want him on my side. Yeah. I think I could work well with him. Mm -hmm. He seems like a Southern guy and, uh, and very athletic and just genuine. So I'd really like to work with him. Um, very fit. He looks like a, like a personal trainer or something within that realm. Um, I've noticed he's married. He might have a couple kids. So, you know, people generally think better about a family guy, you know, stereotypically. Um, and he seems like a polite guy. Uh, a dad, possibly. I know he's definitely a husband. I've seen his wedding ring. Another honorable-looking guy, you know, looks like he plays a straight game. Can you bond over the, the wedding Certainly. thing? Certainly. I'm going to bond over anything I can bond yeah. over. Uh, I call him Mr. Prez. He's, Mr. Prez? Yeah, he's, like, so perfect. He's, like, the president. I think he's going to... He may play an honorable game. He He strikes me as the one to maybe be truthful when he doesn't need to be. He's... Super friendly, looks incredibly organized, like way too OCD organized, watches what he eats like nobody I've ever seen before. I mean, when I'm eating pasta and you're eating almonds, like there's something wrong. So he's probably going to be a, one of those that plays by the rules, kind of a little more honest and, you know, wants to be there for like his wife. He's married, saw the ring. So charming him is probably not an option, although he likes the attention. Most of the castaways think Brendan is coming out here looking to play a clean game. And sure, Brendan has no aspirations to play an emotionally dirty game. But make no mistake, he is here to play the game. And it's a game he's been looking to play for a very long time. Yeah, Brendan's been applying for a long time. We talked to Brendan again for Millennials Gen X. We thought about him for... I think that's right. And we thought about him for... Um, heroes, healers, and hustlers, but it was the same thing. We love this guy. doesn't really fit. We almost put him on heroes, healers, and hustlers, and then at the last minute decided, nah, it's not the right fit, but now he belongs here, and I think as often happens, Brendan's going to be glad he waited. This, this makeup of people seems very suited to him doing well. Brendan could absolutely win the game. He's got all the skills. He's really gifted in terms of talking and telling story, tell, telling stories and sort of 
moving people without them feeling they're being moved, physically super fit, been around, started businesses, done a lot of things, not going to get excited by a lot, you know, not get excitable. So I like Brendan. I'd put Brendan in there with Wendell and Kellen. So far, that's kind of a nice pizza That'd be a phenomenal final three. Wow. Wouldn't that be great? Knock on freaking wood. (laughs) Hey, do you mind if I spray some of that? Not at all. Tell me what you need. You want the uh, uh, sunscreen? Beautiful. Yeah. Yep. I've got these like dirty hobbit feet. But I mean, <laughs> somehow I think I think the sun can get through anyway. Yeah, I hear you. All right. So who are you and what are you doing here? All right. So my name is Brendan. I'm uh, I'm 40 years old, uh, from Virginia, and uh, and for me, this has been a long time coming. I first applied first Survivor 4 back in 2001, I guess it was. Wow. And back in those days when they had the semi-final final interviews, I, I made it to a semi-final interview. Um, but I'm somewhat unconventional in that, for people of my age, in that I had I was married and had a kid by the time I was 25. So wow. I got the sense that that really wasn't what they were looking for out of their 25-year-olds. You know, I think they, they wanted like uh, the, the, the swinging bachelor. So I remember coming home and uh, and I told my wife... Way back then, I told her, if they're still making the show and I'm 40, I think I got a shot. And from then to now, I applied, I don't know, like 13 times, I think a bunch of times. And and it, and once or twice, got calls and kind of got down the path a little bit, but it never quite worked out. And then um, I had connected with Caitlin a few years ago, and she called me out of the blue in November and said, hey, are you still interested? And so I made it to LA and then made it to here. So it's it's a dream come true, man. It's uh, it's been a long time coming. So what is it about Survivor that resonates with you so much? Well, the, so the first time I watched it, I, I just felt like it was something that was built for w- what I can do. Um, you know, I've been a competitor in lots of different ways, um, different sports, and and I've done fine, but but I was never the best at anything. I always felt like I was playing somebody else's game and just trying hard, you know. And with Survivor, I always felt like it was just kind of tailor-made to what I'm good at. And so specifically, I feel like I I have this strange combination of um, being able to be empathetic, but at the same time, I think I can divorce myself from emotion to, to do what needs doing out here. Um, and I think that combination it suits me well for the game. And I think I, I'm athletic enough and all the other little pieces, you know, I think I can do. But but the big thing is I think I understand people. Yeah. Who's your favorite Survivor player ever? Well, the game that of in recent memory that I want to emulate, I think, is uh, Jeremy Collins. I was just going to, I just, I divined that from you. Yeah. I could hear it. I could feel it. Yeah. Okay, tell me more about that. Well, I, I think, first of all, he's... I think he great was, winner. Yeah, universally liked. You know, I think he just he he had a good way of kind of getting to know people and he made real relationships. Uh, he was smart enough to, especially his second time around, to understand that he was a threat, and so he did a really good job of always finding some bigger threat to throw throw in front of the front of his competitors. Um, and so I kind of want to emulate that that style of play. I mean, from an entertainment value standpoint. Like a lot of people, I love watching Tyson. Yeah, um, he's just so much. Fun. I mean, he's he's so fun. He's the kind of guy like I, I think probably anyone would tell you that he'd be fun to hang around with. You know, drink I can tell you having having hung out with him, he's a, yeah. he's a good guy. He has that natural energy. Yes. Yeah. 
So uh, anything he he does, I'll watch it. Like that little series he did where he was like going to karate dojos and whatever. Like you know, like the whole thing. I'll watch any. So of you've it. watched Tyson's YouTube channel. Oh yeah, and that's man. how deep cut you are. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah, I'm a big fan. My whole family are huge fans. My son, who is 16, um, which kind of blows my mind a yeah. little bit, uh, is a huge fan. Like he he's one of those guys. He's got the brain for it, but like, if you asked him right now, if you said, "Hey, what was the boot order in season 25?" and you know, what what color was this tribe or that tribe? Whatever, he knows. He's got it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, um, so like in our house, survivors, you know, must see TV, and so yeah, it's a dream come true, man. Well, this is an interesting question, perhaps. How did he help you get ready for this? It's a good. Qu- yeah, I'm glad you asked. So I've spent. You know, since I found out I was coming, and actually before that, you know, since I found out that I was, at, uh, I made finals. Yeah. From then to now, um, I couldn't tell you how many hours we've sat just kind of talking about what I could do to make sure that I had I had some success. And you know, so f- like uh, one of the pieces of advice he gave me before I left, we were talking about kind of the, the importance of making alliances right out of the gate. You know, having relationships right out of the gate. And he said, you know, Dad, I think. I think people will come to you, you know, if, like if you exude the right kind of aura, I think people will come to you and that's obviously better than you going out and trying to find, pull people in and, and he, and he's right. So I'm, I'm really hopeful that it works that way. I've been doing my best to this point, you know, having gotten to look at all the other players, not getting to talk, talk to them, but at least get to look at them. I'm just trying to seem as approachable and friendly as possible. You know, some people, it's funny, like some people seem a little bit aloof or like intense or whatever. Yeah. And I'm doing my best to just seem like, hey, happy to be here, you know, smiles. And, and uh, so I'm really hopeful that, uh, that that piece of advice pans out. Yeah. So you're you going to have his voice echoing in your oh, head yeah, as you no play? Doubt. He's going to yeah. be like, if Brad Culpepper's What Would Monica Do? Yeah. It would be, I don't know what your son's name, but Will, yeah. what would Will do? Yeah, for sure. It's a good hashtag. Too. Yeah. Yeah, 3W. And he's, you know, he, he, uh, he'll, he'll talk to me about, because he, he goes deep in the woods. Like, he'll talk to me about interviews that people gave either with you or with whoever, you know, yeah. and like things he learned, you know, because you can learn a lot. You don't learn everything watching the show, right? Because there's so much you don't see and you kind of get the inside baseball stuff from all these interviews. So we, we've both done our, our homework. Nice. Good yeah. stuff. So tell me about your ideal first day in the game. It's day one. The The show has begun. You're with your tribe. How does that first day go if it goes perfectly for you? If it goes perfectly, um, at the end of day one, we have a roof over our heads, um, and I have a core group of people that I think are ready for that first vote. If if, if we're you know unlucky enough to, to have to go to the first vote, where I feel like I'm you know I've I've got a, a leg to stand on. What do you think about idols' advantages? Back in season four, this wasn't even a thing. Yeah, I like um, I like immunity idols because they add an element of um, uncertainty. I think the game would be... Well, I, they, add, they add an element of uncertainty, and I think for, for me, uncertainty is kind of going to be my currency out here because there are going to be times, I suspect, when my back's against the wall and I need to create the illusion that either I have an idol or somebody else does in order to throw attention off of me. So... I think it's a tool that a savvy player can use, you know, like idols, w- whether or not you have them. Um, they're a tool that can be played, and, and I think... Just I'll, the existence of them. Yeah, just the, ex- the threat of them. 
Um, so I'm going to have to, I think I'm, I'm going to need to, to, to use that threat, uh, carefully, but throughout the game. So I'm okay with idols. I think some, you know, some of the innovations maybe have fallen a little flat. Um, you know, I'm not so crazy about people getting voted out and getting to come back in. Um, I just don't think it's that great for the show. Having said that, if I get voted out, I hope it's one of those seasons where I can get back in. So, so, uh, but, um, but yeah, most of the twists and turns I think have been, have been really good for the show. You know, it's helped it stay fresh and evolve. So I'm, I'm for it. Um, people, you know, come into Survivor with very different codes of ethics. You know, there are people who come in here and they are willing to lie about anything. There, there, there are no boundaries. Or if they are, they're on the other side of the world. Uh, there are people who come in and it is all about loyalty. It's all about honor. Uh, if you lie on this, you're dead to me. There's no coming back from that. Curious where you land on that. Is Survivor just a game or are there limits inside of the game of Survivor for you? I think Survivor is a game just like any other game that, that you or I might play or my kids play. Um, I make the analogy of like, okay, when my son was nine years old and started playing football, on any given play, his team's trying to trying to trick the other team, right? So they want to make them think they're going to pass and they're going to run or vice versa, right? It's all deception. And so the people that kind of get high and mighty out here and say, well, how could you lie to me, you know? We all know what we're in for, so I don't. I don't have any problem at all uh, deceiving anybody uh, out here, and I think I'm, I'm going to have to do it. Uh, you know, there's no need to do it gratuitously, right? But, but I'm. I'll do it anytime I think it needs doing, and that's part of the game, and that's what we're all in for. So we're all adults, and we all know what the game is. And if we don't, then, you know, it's, it's, if there's somebody out here that doesn't get it, that's their problem. Um, where where I think the code of ethics comes in for me is I've seen players who will go out of their way to be um, hurtful just for the sake, just because they're mad, just for the sake of doing it, you know, or because they're just kind of mean people. Um, And you're not going to see me do that. Like, I'm not going to say mean things about people to the camera or to their face just because, just because, you know, that that, there's no need for it. Um, But I think people that are mean in their normal lives are going to be mean out here, and people that are nice in their normal lives will be nice out here. But as a nice guy, as a self-proclaimed nice guy, I've got no problem in this context trying to deceive other players at every turn. Yeah. Um, how are you at losing? Like, if you get if you get blindsided and it's, mwah, it's a beautiful move, yeah. and unfortunately it's your head that rolls. Can you respect that? Does game respect yeah, game? Yeah, absolutely. Or- so I, I can respect it. Now, I'll be bitterly disappointed if it happens, especially if it happens early on. But um, but I've always I've always kind of been irritated at the players, and I was even surprised like watching um, uh, Game Changers. Like I was surprised because some of these players had come back for the second time, and they still seemed a little bent out of shape and had like had their feelings hurt that they didn't make it to the end. And it's like, well, I would have figured of of anybody they would respect a really good play. So. Um, yeah, I'm not going to be one of those people that's... that's. I may be disappointed on my own behalf if I get voted out, but will I be angry at other people? No. I mean, that's what... That, we're like all if here you were on that. the jury, you wouldn't hold that against No, them. no, no, no. Absolutely not. I mean, we're all here to get to vote each other out. That's what... That's. I'm here to make sure those other 19 don't win. So... And they're they're here to do the same thing. And and so, yeah, I've got no problem. I, you will not see a bitter juror in me if I end up on the jury. Cool. What do you think of the field and your place in the field? So, it's... Uh, it's a, 
Okay, when I came out here, this is my first look at most folks because I was in a different casting group. I don't need to get too much into the weeds, but um, so I, I hadn't seen all but one of these people until until we got to to the airplane. And having said that, I, I'm surprised at. It, I think the group skews young and athletic. You know, there are a few couple people that aren't maybe super athletic looking, but by and large, it's a really young, fit looking group. Um, it's a pretty serious group. Like I've tried really hard to look approachable and be friendly. You know, we can't say anything, but right. you know, you just kind of give that face, you know. And and I'm, I've been surprised because there are a handful of people that are like go out of their way to either just not engage or kind of have that kind of mean game face on. So that surprised me a little bit. Um, I suspect because I know that they Survivor wants to raise the stakes, man. So I think. This season will probably be a lot of pretty cutthroat players. That's my that's my that's my big read on it. Is I think this is going to be a lot of people that are here uh, with bad intentions. At least as far as I'm concerned. You've been you know you were in the mix for Marquesas. You're in the mix for season four. Uh, you're out here however many years later after that. How surreal is this for you? Is this crazy? Yeah, this is this is I you know. I, I always thought that I'd get here someday. So even when like in when I didn't make it to four, I always thought in one day it's gonna happen. And and I just believed that and I kept applying and applying and applying. And like I said, I mean I, I don't I lost track exactly, but I, if I had to guess I'd I'd give it about thirteen times. And to apply that many times, man, you gotta have yeah, I guess you have to have some blind optimism or thick skin or something and, and um or an obsession, like yeah, an obsessive right, right, personality right, right, right. as well. You know, and every time, every time, like I would apply, and then I'd get no response, or I'd get a call, but then nothing would happen. I'd be crushed, like oh, it's just gut punch. And then, like two weeks later, I'm like, all right, I'm gonna go back at it next time, you know. And I kept coming. So to be here, it is a little bit surreal, you know. It's it's uh, it didn't really sink in until yesterday when we had a little meeting with with Jeff. And he gave this kind of rah-rah speech. It was pretty cool. And I was like, okay, it's on now. You know, and it just all of a sudden it came rushing in. It felt real. And it's got like goosebumps and everything. So I'm just excited to start. It's, um, but it, it's hard to wrap my brain around it, to be honest with you. After all this time, it's, it almost doesn't feel, it's like an out-of-body experience a little bit. Is it hard to be away from home? Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, my, so I have a 16-year-old son and a 13-year-old daughter. And then, of course, my wife is at home as well. And, and, uh, you know, there's a lot going on in the lives of teenagers and, and my wife and everything. And, um, but knowing how excited they are for me helps, you know, and, and I decide, I made a conscious decision to kind of only think of good things and not let myself get wrapped up in, in, um, in missing them. Cause it's just too hard otherwise, you yeah. know, and I'm, I'm sure when the days get long, that's going to be, you know, ask me again later, but, um, but I know they're all behind me and, and really excited for me, so that, that really takes some of the sting out of it. Who comes out for the family visit? Uh, my wife, Margie. Yeah, so she'll come out um, it, You know, if I make it that far, and I'm really, really hoping I can get, get deep in Let's this Let's turn thing. that into when. Yeah, when. when. There you go. There when you, you go, when. So, yeah, so she'd come out, and, uh, and that'd be fantastic because she's, she's been behind me. You know, I, I didn't... The closest I came really was... My wife Margie and I were being considered for for the second blood versus water. Oh, cool! And uh, and we made it pretty far, and then we just didn't didn't make it. And and after that one, I said to her, I'm like, you know, every day until now, I believed one day I'd make it, but now I don't know. 
and uh and she's like no no you still will i know you will you know and she she kind of kept that faith after a decade of me knowing i was going to get there and i finally started to waver a little bit and she said no you'll get there so after all that if she could make it out it'd be pretty cool awesome What do you think about him? No, first. Uh, I don't think he's going to be known for his smarts. Okay. I apologize to you in the future, sir, uh, for, for saying this. <laughs> this, guy, this guy cracks me up. <laughs> he's perfectly tanned and, you know, model-type body, walking around. He knows he looks good, and, I, you know, I feel like he's the cocky and confident type guy. God, I fucking hate that kid. I don't particularly like him at all. He, How come? Um, he... This morning I sat at the table with him. He didn't once look at me or do anything. I, when I pass any human being, I'll eye contact, give him a little smile. He didn't do that. Um, and also he's, he's a jackass. This guy came out to the island and didn't bring any flip-flops. He told one of the, um, one of the producers, hey, I don't have flip-flops in front of me today. And I was like, is this guy playing the game or is he an idiot? <laughs> First of all, that guy does not own a shirt. Okay. Okay, I haven't seen him wear a shirt for the seven days I've been out here. My issue with him is I don't know if I'm perceiving him as arrogant, confident, or scared. But I'm going with arrogant. Oh, yeah. He's like the the jock who just loves himself. He looks at himself in the mirror for 30 minutes before he even gets dressed. Like, he's... He's the one who's staring at his muscles like, yeah, you can do it in the mirror. Like, like to each individual yes, muscle? <laughs> yes, Each individual muscle. Has he named he, them, do you think? Maybe. He might have names for them. Yeah. Yeah. Greg and Brian. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the proud owner of Greg and Brian, a.k.a. the man who does not own flip-flops and shirts, according to Wendell and Dominic, is none other than Chris Noble, bamboo slayer and aspiring lobster hunter. A New York-based model by way of Florida... Chris is relatively new to the game of Survivor, but he's been doing his homework, and he has some outside-the-box ideas about how he wants to push the game further. As you heard, the preseason reviews on Chris are in, and they are not exactly glowing. With that said, some are keeping an open mind. I mean, good to look at. Yeah. I feel like he's going to be somebody that surprises me. I feel like he probably always has that perception of who he is, but underneath he might be a little different. Like, he just looks like, you know, the douchebag jock, so... Yeah. I feel like he might be a little different, though. Oh, yeah, so he, uh... So he kind of stands out, because it's just because of the size. He's also pretty fit, uh, which is good, because I hope to use him as a meat shield uh, if the opportunity arises. So, um, I kind of think... It's my guess. He has a pretty big ego, so I'll help fuel that. You know, you go do you, become our leader. Um, but I think under that condition like of him being the leader i think he could yeah, be a pretty effective leader he's probably going to be one of my better friends just from the eye contact and and body shape and and the way we've dressed so far i can tell we have a lot of similarities as for where you stand with chris noble you can make your choice after hearing our interview following these thoughts from provost chris is a question mark for me and the reason he's a question mark is on one hand He's really a compelling guy, and he's got a big reason to come play. He's, he's had a family situation for a long time that he's here playing for his mom. 
He's a good-looking, big, strong guy. On the other hand, I can't tell if Chris is really good socially or really bad socially. And that's why he's a question mark. If, if, he, ended up, if he ends up being first out, I won't be surprised. And if he ends up at that final six, I'll go, yeah, yeah, I'm not surprised. I don't know. So who are you and what are you doing out here? My name is Chris Noble. I'm 27 years old, and I'm out here to be the sole survivor. Uh, I currently live in New York City. Oh, cool. Me too. Where? Uh, right now, I live in Brooklyn, but I've lived in Lower East Side as well. Me as well. Great city. I love it. It's uh, worth every risk to go broke, you know, because it's it's got so much opportunity, and it, it, it's worth it. I went out there to model, and, you know, it's the most competitive environment in the world for that industry, and I love it. Every time I get up... I walk out on the street, and I get this rush, this rush to kick some fucking ass. And you, that's, that's New York City. Are you feeling that out here? Are you bringing oh, some yeah. of the concrete oh, yeah. jungle into the oh, real yeah. jungle? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, fun fact about me, I grew up in the Florida Keys. So being out here is, it, honestly, it, it's just bringing flashbacks of home. You know, I grew up uh, right on the Florida Bay. I used to catch lobster since I was three or four. And, uh, you know, being on the island, it, I feel honestly like I'm in my natural habitat. And one of the main reasons I'm out here is uh, my mom, she was diagnosed with MS at 27. She had me at 34, I believe. And uh, it's been a long, hard journey. But I got to tell you, uh, you know, she's done everything with a smile on her face. She never complained. She never gave up and she never gave in. And that is the epitome of a survivor. When I was 17, she was told she had two months to live. I in a full circle way I'm 27 the wow. same year she was diagnosed 10 years later 10 years later which is 10 is my favorite number and I am here on a show called Survivor and I'm playing for her and yeah I have my own ambitions and my own ego to fulfill but she is the main reason no amount of money uh, could take the place of her and her story and this is um, a dream come true to be out here and to tell her story uh, on a show called Survivor, and it's uh, it's 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 an honor. It's incredible. I mean, I'm I'm ready to let the games begin, man. I'm so I'm so hyped. To, I just don't want to blow my load all in one day, you know. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, like you know, I, I I grew up playing baseball. I played college baseball, and and one of the things that you know we always are taught in baseball, you know, you can't get too high, you can't get too low, and. That's the same concept in life. That's the same concept that's going to have to take place out here in Survivor. I mean, look, we're, we're all going to have our emotional times. But at the end of the day, we have to stay sort of, you know, even, even throughout. If not, we'll, you know, it's going to be a very hard to get through 39 days. Yeah. So she's your rocket fuel out here. She is. She's my rocket fuel. That's And she did used to work for, she, both my parents used to work for NASA, if you want to make that even. <laughs> well, how about that? That's yes, pretty yeah. good. So how, how... How big of a difference do you think that makes for, for you? I mean, you got to assume that a lot of people are out here for the glory. They're out here for the money. For you, this is personal. It's personal. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I do want money. I, who doesn't? I, who doesn't? I mean, it's a million fucking dollars. Yeah. And, you know, being in New York, I, I'm done shopping on Craigslist every six months to find a new place to lease from with sketchy ass people. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've slept with a knife under my pillow. It's one of those things where, I mean, I'm done living that life, you know, and modeling's great. It's got its perks, but man, I'm my own entrepreneur. I, I'm my own personality. I'm my own brand. And 
I hate honestly sort of sometimes having to rely on people to dictate that yeah. when I like to grab life by the horns and do my own. So the opportunity to be on Survivor and and, and, and whatnot and to make that money will help me uh, financially, obviously, mentally, because I'll be a little bit more stable. I'll be able to do more uh, decisions and take more risks that I'd like to take. And uh, yeah, obviously those doors will be open, but the main priority is yes, my mom and her story and the tie-in with Survivor and how I was cast in March, which is MS Awareness Month and all these, these crazy cool stories that God's given us. Yeah, so what's your status with Survivor? Like what's your history with Survivor? Are you new to it? Are you a lifelong fan? You know, in terms of Survivor, I mean, I definitely consider myself new to the game. I mean, I've watched, you know, probably 10 plus 12 seasons somewhere around there but I mean god this game's been going on so long I mean 10 to 12 seasons isn't much compared to the the true diehards which and I'm you're not on season I'm not, 36 yeah I'm not gonna I'm not gonna take anything away from them and and perceive myself as them I mean they there are some true diehards you know but I've watched my share though and I understand the game and I see the evolution it's exciting and I want to be that guy that adds to the evolution. You know, so there's always something new that's going to happen in this game, and uh, I like I look at trends. I like to uh, I like to buck the trend and and maybe do something uh, that hasn't been done, which you know would be great. So do you have thoughts about that already? Uh, I have thoughts. I have thoughts for sure. You know, there's uh, I mean, look, I think every every show, whether you're on an island or in a expensive house or whatever should always have some good romance going on so i think it'd be cool to tie in like a mr and mrs smith type deal out here and you know have you know we we both you know we talk there's this trust but no one around camp even really sees it you know but you know we're like intel 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 and then before you know it we're in the merge then no one even knows what the hell's going on and then bam we slip into the final three and, uh, you know, with the way the rules are these days, I mean, you get into the final three, final four, you know, you have that ability to be able to keep one person close and use it. Yeah. So this is, this is going to be awesome. Uh, it, that's one that I'd love to do. I love Tony. I love his I was just about to ask who's your, who's your favorite survivor. You know, and here's the thing. I, look, I'm many personalities. So for me, it's not like there's necessarily one true survivor that I just idolize. I love a lot of them. You know, I love Tony because of his antics. He's from, I believe, New Jersey. You know, you sort of see that New Jersey-ness of him, and he's a cop, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, that's right. So, you know, I, I love his little antics, his personality. And look, I'm going to add some of that too, man. I'm going to be making little, like, camping huts up in a tree and something like that. I think that's Spy fun. shacks, spy yeah, bunkers. Spy, spy bunkers, spy shacks. I think that's awesome. You know, I love Michaela's fire. I have that fire. I know exactly where that fire comes from. Uh... But I also love, you know, the, the, the Joes, the Malcolms, the Aussies, you know, for what they do and they, they provide and they're, they're good, you know, challenge beasts and, and whatnot. And that's what I'm going to be. I mean, I'm going to go out there spearfishing like Ozzy and Joe and whatnot and providing and, uh, you know, Malcolm and, and Joe and Ozzy actually as well as they, they were all great at challenges. Uh, some of them have some charm. Malcolm's got some good charm, good gameplay. So I, I would love to, uh, you know, be a little bit of everybody because I'm not, you know, I'm my own self. So 
it, I think it's fair considering everything I've been through that I don't just have one specific person. I love qualities of everybody and because that's sort of who I am and that's what I'm going to bring. Yeah. So then one day people are like, I want to be like Noble. Yeah, there you go. So give me your ideal first day in the game. It's, you know, boots are on the ground. We're off to the races. You're with your tribe. End of that first day, it goes perfectly. How did that first day go? I mean, the, the first day, I think, is probably the craziest day of them all. We're all in new territory. And frankly, for someone like me who's an adrenaline junkie, I love to take risks. You know, I feel fear, just like everyone else. But I love to push through that fear. And, you know, to be out here and have this opportunity and all these unknowns to me is exciting as hell. So that first day is a success. That is the game's finally started. I'm hyped up. Hopefully, you know, I didn't blow it all out in one day. That wouldn't be fun for everyone and that wouldn't be fun for me either. It'd be quite a disappointment. And, uh, you know, just seriously, it'd be an exciting, thrilling day knowing that there's so much more adventure and challenges to come. What does it look like for you to blow it on the first day though? It's a messy sight. <laughs> <laughs> What would have to happen? Uh, you know, the, and yeah, obviously there's a, a perverted pun to that, but... Uh, we can leave that yeah, to the imagination. Yeah, yeah, we'll leave that one to the imagination. What would that be like for me? Uh, obviously, I can't get eliminated in the first day, but it'd be... I, I, I wouldn't want to come on too uh, strategic because I'm already going to be an instant threat. I mean, I look, I'm, I'm, I'm built. Yep. Um, I have a physique. I have a look to me that people already think I've just been given everything and, uh, you know, to some guys they might find it intimidating. Uh, you know, the girls will probably look at me slightly different, which I'll take to my advantage. But at the end of the day, I know everyone's thinking by the time the merge gets, we have to gets to a point we have to eliminate him. You know, they don't want what um, Brad did last, you know, and that's what hurts me is when someone like Brad goes on a, you know, little five run right there and, and makes it. His ass would have been cut if he didn't. You get the guys like Joe and, and, and Malcolm and Ozzy where these guys are real threats when it comes to after the merge right. that uh, you know people aren't going to want me around then. So the key for me really is just developing a strategy that can, uh, you know, so I can maneuver, get to the merge, and then from the merge, it's a whole new game. But at least my athleticism can save me at certain points. Uh, so yeah, it's 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 a game that's it's and who's to say that the game won't change this season? Yeah, you know, we're going in seeing the last thirty six, but something else could be thrown in there that changes everyone's strategy. Yeah, you never know. What do you think about idols advantages? Like there were a ton of those on uh, Game Changers this mm -hmm. last season that we just saw. Are you going to spend a lot of time looking for that stuff? Yes, uh, I will spend every day looking for one. Uh, you know, <laughs> to me, those are the biggest game changers of them all. I mean, that's a lot of power. And I, I'm i not really sure how much I would tell anybody, even my closest ally. Especially with the way the backstabbing's coming around, people are looking to make moves. I mean, you hope. I mean, at some point you do have to rely on whatever trust you can with some people. That's a given. But I don't know how much I'm going to wager tossing an idol around or, or whatnot. I, I don't want what happened with Sarah where, you know, she's told from, you know, a fellow... Um, God, what was her name? Uh, anyway, a she, lot with Sarah, so it's yeah, hard for you me know, to pull but, it. You know, with Sarah, for example, you know, uh, she had a fellow, I'll, 
Alliance member basically be like, look, I have this uh, hidden advantage. Uh, if I leave, it's yours. You know, if I get voted out. And then Sarah went and voted her out. I mean, duh. You know, there's no leverage with that. There's no, like... And, you know, Probst even talked about it, too. Like, I mean, maybe she should have been like, look, if I... If you make sure I make it to the next day, you know, it's yours. You know, so those are the kind of things that I would do if I even would bring it up. Right. So there, there's there's a lot of give or take. You know, Exile Island, I think, who knows if it's going to be in this season. How would you handle that? That To me, that is the biggest game changer of them all. Because it's, it's a risk-reward type deal. And there's a pun intended on that. Because you go out there... In seasons past, there's been a high likelihood you you could come back with an idol, and those idols are big time. But you lose the limited time that you have to make alliances at the same time. So, in the beginning of the game, to me, going out to exile just doesn't seem like much of a necessity. But I'll tell you this: as the game gets later on, and I've had time to build alliances or get a feel for everyone in my tribe then it might be more worth it for me to go out there because I will need that after, you know, day 10, 15, whatnot, where I know things are, you know, people are going to be gunning for me because we're getting closer to the merge. That's the biggest thing for me. Look, the first, I, I should easily make it 10 days because I'm going to be an asset to the squad, whether it's in the challenges, whether it's going out getting food, and whether it's building shelter and doing some of the dirty work, which I enjoy doing, I don't mind doing, Okay. But there's going to be strategy to that. At some point, though, my strategy then has to change to, well, I've seen Ozzy and them get blindsided, and they were everything to that tribe. I would be a fool to think that won't happen to me. So that's where I'm going to have to get creative. Um, and, you know, look, I don't mind being on my own. I've been on my own a long time. I mean, I've lived in a small Lower East Side apartment uh, with, you know, crazy people and made it through that. I can easily make it on Exile Island for a night, two, three, you know, whatever. And it, it game over after that. Cool. There's, um, you know, people come into Survivor with like different codes of ethics, right? Like there are the people who come in and they will swear on anything. They will mm. break those promises left and right. There are people who come in and they are really um, boxed in to certain ideals where I'm not stepping outside of these lines. This is sacred to me. Mm -hmm. Where do you fall within that? In other words, like is Survivor just a game? Or is there more to it? Are there lines that you're not willing to cross? Uh, Survivor is just a game. A great game at that. The best in the world. But there are lines I won't cross. Uh, you know, someone like me gets very competitive. Like a lot of us are. I mean, if you're not competitive, you probably shouldn't be out here. I, I get it. There's other reasons why other people come out here, and, and that's great. But, you know, I'm competitive. And sometimes when you get competitive... You don't know what the hell happened. You just you get tunnel vision. Uh, but at the same time, it's no excuse for crossing boundaries like, like Varner. And, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I think there are some moral ethics and, and whatnot that you should not cross. You shouldn't say anything that is homophobic. You shouldn't say anything that is racist. You shouldn't say anything to bring people down. I get it. There's a manipulation and... You know, sometimes when someone's sort of weak and, you know, you want to bring them a little bit weaker, okay, there's ways to do it, but you don't have to attack them. So those are some ethics and boundaries that I won't cross. And, you know, it's one of those things, like I said, you get so competitive, sometimes you don't even know what you do. 
but I've told myself going in my, my mind that uh, no matter what, to, those are boundaries that should never be crossed, period. They shouldn't. Uh, another thing, I'm not a liar, but there are times where I will lie or I will, um, you know, I'm going to blindside somebody. I don't know who it is. Time will tell. Uh, it's not like I would do that in real life, but this is a game. And uh, look, I'm a loyal, uh, trustworthy person and people do see that in me. And I will use that to my advantage. And when the time's right, I will do it. Look, I'm not going to walk around like, uh, what's his name from season 20? Um, uh, here is villains, Russell Hands. Russell Hands. Sure. I'm not going to do that. Look, I, I, he made it to the final three. He played the game. He played it. I mean, did he win? He didn't win. He didn't win because he pissed too many people off in the jury. But now let's be real. The jury's a little different now, okay? And frankly, he did out, I would say he did sort of outwit, you know? Yeah. Maybe he didn't quite necessarily outplay or, but I mean, he did outlast. He's there at the end, really. I mean, so at the end of the day, uh, I'm not going to do that. But there will be opportune moments that I'm going to have to uh, change character a little bit. And that's cool. That's that's part of the game. The Noble One. The Elseworlds Hunter Ellis. The Empath. The Super Genius. Four more players on the board which brings our first one out contenders to a current total of eight. My biggest fear in all this, it, after wanting to be here for so long, is getting voted out first. That, that's, my, that's my nightmare. That's what keeps me up these last few nights is like, oh man, I don't want to be the first, <laughs> the first one gone. So hopefully I can avoid that fate. To be the first one out? I mean, could I live with myself? Yes. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> Would it be all sorts of awful, like, except just one level down from that? Uh, it would be pretty, pretty big bummer to be the first one out. So um, I hope, I sure as hell hope that's not me. But I know it's one of us, you know, and I'll do whatever I can uh, to not be the first one out. I think Vita said it right uh, when he came on uh, Second Chance and was the first one voted off. It's worse than not coming in the first place because... And you're like so amped up. This is going to be life changing. You're going to have so much fun and it's going to be awesome. And you get to have the infamous tag of the first one out on you. Uh, I think it would be so anticlimactic. I mean, not just for me, but for everyone here. That would be the absolute nightmare scenario. And I'm going to do everything in my power to make sure that that's not me. It won't be me. And I don't even allow that to be an option in my head is in the universe and some fucked up way is going to do that to me and I don't want it to. I envision myself going to the end all 39 days. I have a story to tell. I have money to put in my paper bag and uh, you know, I got some asses to kick. At the end of the day, I'm blessed for this opportunity. Um, I'm the noble not, cause. Yeah, you know, I am the noble one. That's my, that's my, uh, my name for my... Uh, philosophical quotes in my raps that I write. Yeah. Yeah. I do. That's a fun fact about me. I do write poems and rhymes. Are we going to hear any of that on the show? Yeah. Yeah. I, I just filmed one, actually. You've got anything at the ready right now? Close uh, this thing I, out? I could, I, could do, uh, I could do one real quick. Um, 
Let me think of one of the ones I wrote real quick. Okay. I think I got a quick one I can do. Let's do it. I'm building my empire like I'm on Scarface. Asked me one time how my cigar tastes. Landed on boardwalk and looking for park place. Still kissing my cross for what God graced. I look out the window and envision my future. Brain pounding so hard it's cracking the suture. Chasing my fantasy like Carter Cooper. Still connected with Dade County like Marino to Duper. Damn, that bar had some Miami heat. Here's a cooler. This transition has Eminem mixed with a Bueller. No hooky for me like I'm fishing for schoolers. Growth every day like my investment in futures. Listen, I'll give you the tours. When the mountains are blue, I'll toss you a Coors. Keep your eyes peeled for the lions and cougars. They like to eat, and I feel like the wolf, and this is my Wall Street. Dude, hell yeah, man. Bust some of that out on the show. More from the wolf of Wall Street, and more from his hopeful Mrs. Smith. Coming next on First One Out. First One Out, Ghost Zero, is produced, written, and hosted by Josh Wigler. That's me. It's a collaboration between The Hollywood Reporter and Rob has a podcast. Taryn Armstrong is our editor. He's also a robot. Ghost Drops, the theme of this podcast, is composed by Josh and Ben Wigler, arranged by Nick Campbell, and performed by The Sun and the Room. Guitar interludes by Ben Wigler. Go to THR.com slash Survivor for more Ghost Island coverage. Survivor returns February 28th. And Ghost Zero concludes March 1st. Next time on First One Out. Just sitting next to her for 10 minutes one day this week, I'm just like, no, you gotta go. You'd be like, dude, you're hot. You'd be like, I know. This is my first time out of the country, you know? They, they won't be able to resist rooting for him. And he's so likable. You want that guy to do well. She's not actually meeting it. She's trying to fake us all out. Now that girl, that's the that that would be the Mrs. Smith. Okay, for me. I'm gonna want a middle school make out with her <laughs> right off the bat. I don't know how many girls that's gotten you, but let me just put you in a big F for failure right now. <laughs>